1: The following program is intended for immature audiences only. Don't think, just listen. Coast to coast, border to border, and around the world, you're going online with Bill Alexander.
2: Hi, everyone. Yours truly, William Eric Alexander my friends. Call me Bill, and you're online with Bill Alexander here at italknet.com and also at w, what's it, a, no, WMCK.fm. I'll remember what radio station we're at and also on TV Channel 77 as we broadcast live from the Phil g Motor Studios high atop High Street in Brownsville, Pennsylvania. If you're looking for a quality pre-owned vehicle, Give Chip Eddie a call at 724-785-6800 or stop by his website, com. I'm sorry, Jason. For a brief moment, I had a brain freeze. It is WMCK.fm. I've been doing the program there for over a year now, and for some reason, it just slipped my mind. I don't know why, but it did. But uh, we are on WMCK McKeesport in McKeesport, Pittsburgh. So anyhow, yours truly, Bill Alexander, with you on a... Uh, what is a Tuesday night, the day after Labor Day 2019. Hope everything's fine for you on, uh, on this day. And uh, if you're listening to us at any other time of the week or the month, thank you very much for joining us. On the program tonight, we have a young actress uh, by the name of Ava Lim. And let me read her bio real quick. It's kind of interesting. She is a Singapore author and of espionage thriller books, the Hourglass series, she's a YouTube celebrity with 4 million views and off-Broadway star with a loyal fan base following. Red Hourglass is ranked in the top 50 espionage thrillers on Amazon. Her international espionage series is set in America, China, and Singapore. And her website is Averal, A-V-E-R-R-A-L.com. On the phone line right now, we have Aver, Aver, how are you doing this evening?
3: Hi, I'm doing great.
2: How are you? i have been doing real good. So, you were born in Singapore, and when did you come to the United States?
3: I came to the United States last year after getting a mission to Lee Strasberg. Um, it's a method acting school, and I attended the one-year conservatory program, and I graduated in April, and I have been in New York ever since.
2: So, just, just to, uh, I'm not talking about your career yourself, but what was your Um, what did you think of America, especially New York City, when you came here? Um, Was it everything you expected it to be?
3: Well, my first book, The Red Hourglass, um, is basically set in New York. And I wrote it before I came here. Um, And I only came uh, to New York on uh, three separate occasions, two weeks each as a tourist, (laughs) mainly, doing touristy things. Uh, So I did a lot of research on... Um, in new, about New York in general and read a lot of books and articles about the, uh, people and the culture here and um, yeah so before coming here I had a very good sense of what to expect before coming because I wrote a book that is set in new York. and or here mm-hmm. without being here in the first place so when I came here to study acting um, yeah it was pretty much pretty similar to singapore new york and singapore is like pretty similar they're both a big city um full of ambitious people who go get in life so i felt like culturally um quite i feel belonged here and i feel like part of this place i don't feel out place um i feel this is part of me to be
4: here
2: yeah and that that's really interesting here about because I'm not very uh, familiar with Singapore. With New York, I am, but um, coming to the United States, coming to an acting school for one year, did did, did you have any barriers in your way that uh, may have been may have been some hurdles that you had to get over first, or were you able to just acclimate yourself into the uh, education program whenever you got here? I just got
3: used to it. There was no problems at all. Um, coming here from singapore because it's pretty similar culturally um okay. and i did study in australia for my business degree so um, go, moving to a different country to attend a school is not a big change for me okay at this point um i think um i think globalization has made it as such that we can be in any part of the world and just feel like it's pretty much the same everywhere at this point because like basically have the same style same mcdonald's <laughs> it's not much difference
2: right now you, even in
3: china or singapore like you said
2: so. you got your business degree in australia yeah so from business to acting what took you in the other direction totally opposite of business
4: <laughs> that's a good
3: question um Yeah, I I mean, when I was in business school, I actually wrote like the first 30,000 words of the Red Hourglass. And I I wrote the the story while I was in school, right, the first draft. Uh And I kind of like hid it in my computer. Like I was like a closeted writer. I didn't want (laughs) anyone to know. I wrote like the first 30,000 words of my eventually published novel back then. I was like... Uh, you know, being in college, and I was like, yeah, you know, I, I'm doing a business degree, I'm like getting, you know, my career and my life ahead, and yeah, I have a secret desire to be an author too, so it's like, I didn't really, was I wasn't very open about it, I didn't really share to my friends that I'm writing a secret novel kind of thing about spies and espionage, I didn't share it with my friends. I kept it very hidden. I, I just kept writing poetry and short stories and articles as a public display to hey, you know, I'm a real serious writer, you know. I can write real articles. So <laughs> I wanted to sound like intellectual. Okay. At that point. So I yeah, and like, I wrote great business reports. So I wanted like to give the impression to others like I am writing things that that make me sound intellectual <laughs> or something like that. But to write a, like a fictional novel about undercover agents—that's like something that was not very exposed at that point of time. Okay, I didn't want to like expose myself. Like you know, yeah, I had that desire, um, but it was burning within me to publish it. You know, it was—it just you know the story kept coming to me every night. When I was in school, in business school, I was like going for lectures, and then at night I had all these visions and dreams about like all these. Things that I wrote in the red hourglass, it's just like, you know, it was, it kept haunting me, and it, and like it kept like urging me to go on to write the book, write the full story, because it, the story will not leave me, till I wrote it, you know, and it gave me a peace of mind after writing it down. Like I feel much better about myself after writing the initial first few chapters down. And I got it out of my memory, out of my visions, out Uh of my dreams and nightmares and everything. (laughs) So it's kind of like trying to get it out of my system kind of thing, you know. I think it's the same if i being a dancer, you know. Like if I don't dance, I feel like there's something wrong with me. I just have to keep dancing. It's the same with writing. I just have to keep writing. Keep writing. Um, Yeah, so I just wrote the whole book out over a period of four years. Um, And uh, yeah. So I got it published, and yeah, it's. Uh, I think it's to date still one of my best works to date, um, because I took like it took a lot of time and you know effort to really get get everything out of my system.
2: So <laughs> so you so you you're, you're a, you were a closeted espionage writer. And did you watch these types of movies? Did you read these types of books, or is this just something that came to you and said, "I have to write this genre," um, because it was something it just came that came to me, which which well, I find I, interesting. I,
4: I,
3: mean, I, I read a lot of Christopher Pike, and like I wrote, I mean, I I read other fictional works,
4: uh-huh.
3: uh, more on horror, and you know, um, anime. About you know, warriors and you you know the secret society you I'm sorry, the Japanese uh, secret society. Okay. Um. So basically, I guess it kind of influenced my work. Um. And I got more attracted into writing and researching on stuff, which is the underbelly of. Um, the society, you know, the people who are forgotten, like the homelessness, okay. the orphans, you know. So that became the central theme in my works uh, moving forward. So some of my the things that I really enjoy writing about is um, describing myself as a rat. You know, um, that was that's my experience of New York City. That I I still feel even today. I'm a rat in the system. I'm just scavenging for food Ah. in the subway station and I'm crawling on all fours, and no one knows me and no one gives a shit, you know, because I'm just a rat. (laughs) Right. And it's very central in the rat hourglass that is the, you know, you get the sense of the helplessness and, you know, there's so much things out of our our control. All, All these buildings are so tall and I feel so insignificant. And that's probably, like, when I was in business school, that's how I felt about myself. Like, yeah, I, I want to get, like, a business degree. I want to start my own business. I want to make it in this world. But I guess, you know, I'm just a tiny part of every the universe in general. Uh. I'm just really small compared to everything. So it's that kind of sensation that, you know, as much as I want to do a lot of things in my life, that maybe this is it you know there's
2: only so much i can do right you know, that's so, the kind of so yeah. so the main character in the book um is mary summers and when you start reading the red hourglass especially the prog- prologue you write with a lot of description and i don't want to give it away because um it's it's a very uh, how do i want to put it it's very i don't want to say graphic but it that it, the way you wrote it there's a lot of description about what you see what you see in the hotel room what you see is going on from what she's wearing to what he's doing and she hates the color yellow which i thought was really interesting that that was the first thing that i that that popped into my mind she hated the ye- the color yellow it's because of where she grew up because she grew up in the in um in the wasteland of yellow, yellowly slime, and I grew up to detest the color yellow, because it was it, to me. She grew up on a farm, I guess it was, and it was one of those bright colors. But because of what happened with her mother and her stepfather, she detested that color. So that color does that become predominant in the series, or just in the beginning of it?
4: Um,
3: yeah. In my writings, I tend to use a lot. Of visual description. Okay. Um, like yellow, you know, like red hourglass is very um, visual in nature. Um, yeah, I mean, that's kind of yeah, one of those things I, that I write about, like from a villain's point of view. You know, everyone thinks that, yeah, it's sunshine, yellow is like, pretty, and everything is beautiful. And I prefer to take the alternative point of view and describe it in a different perspective in a different way on why she hated yellow because it's a color that normally people associate with happiness Mm -hmm. and with the sun you know but i decided like why not you know make a character um have her own kind of rationale for doing the things that she do in a and make it justified, too. So that's the kind of approach that I took in when I wrote this novel, was that I wanted it to be different.
4: Yeah.
2: And um and again it goes also to that thing too that, that the uh premise of this story, at least the beginning of the story, is she's going in taking care of an individual that has basically siphoned off money from the average working person. So did you the character sees themselves as a Robin Hood type character who is taking from the rich and giving back to the poor? Or is that just coincidental? Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. They do
3: see themselves as dead because they are brainwashed. Okay. To- see themselves as uh, the heroes, right?
4: Right. Um,
3: from what they went through. And that's a complex villain in my nation. I mean, for me, I like to write about complex villains and study them. Okay. And, you know, to to them, it's very justified what they're doing. But of course, to most people, it's not. You know? Right. Um, so, yeah, I guess, yeah, that's the premise uh, of the book. It's like, you know, about capitalism and uh, writing from a point of view of an orphan
4: okay. and how
3: she perceives the whole situation and that it's pretty unjust. Right. So that's the perspective that she comes from and her point of view. So it's, the book is written from her point of view on how she sees things in, based on her upbringing and uh, the things she had personally went through yeah to make her choices so yeah now, now do you my yeah
2: do you identify with your uh with your uh, lead character in the book or is it just that it, it's a maybe a fantasy that you have that you would like to be something like her
3: um i think um it's a very interesting question I have never been an orphan. I never have never killed anyone.
2: You're <laughs> joking. But mm. <laughs> Wait, you're joking that you never <laughs> killed anybody or I am kind of worried about no. this now. Anyway.
3: <laughs> no, I, I, yeah, I have not. I have not done more okay. of the things that I wrote okay. about my characters that that they do. So um, I'm not so sure how to answer the question, but I think <laughs> it's a product of my imagination okay. at this point. <laughs> um, I'm more like detached from it. I just write it from I'm the creator. I created this character. Um, I created this artwork, and it's free to take a life on its own at this point. So I prefer to be omipotent <laughs> okay is that the word yeah <laughs> yeah and i just you know i'm the creator in this aspect and i like to create stuff um this is one of my creations i do create other stuff too so
2: um <laughs>
4: yeah. so,
3: so, I, think so, I, I take it from a very artistic point of view
2: So when I read this, there is a a line in here and it said, I finally am ready to catch my prey. I contemplated on what to wear. I put on French lingerie and stockings. A few of the girls had left the bar wearing yellow, but there were no yellow dresses or accessories in my wardrobe. I hate yellow. Now, when you talk about the French lingerie, I can tie that into your YouTube channel. What is the purpose (laughs) of your YouTube channel?
3: Um, when I wrote my books and started my youtube um, okay, about the same time, um I saw like I was doing both things at the same time. they are both like different creative outlets okay um I didn't really know what I was doing at a point of time, actually, you <laughs> so know I was just like being experimental like at that time, you know it was a pretty new thing to be a Amazon author or youtuber it was like way back, you know, so no one knew what it was back then, <laughs> right? So I was just doing something in you know something interesting um, and I wanted to create a YouTube channel to do um to actually find out more about myself. It's a self-discovery thing. I think even writing a book is a self-discovery thing. So both of them were different outlets of expression to discover who I am, right? Along with traveling and doing new stuff, like going to right. classes, you know. It's All these were outlets of um, discovering what I am. And through my creations, I had a better understanding of who I am as a person, right? Because I was a little confused of who I am <laughs> when I did it, yeah. So it kind of may may have tied in in and out here and there, but I think as, for me right now at the moment, if I look at my YouTube and look at my books, they are running on completely different storylines, different characters, different um, settings. Um, one is contemporary, one is fictional, you know, urban fiction, and that the YouTube is like you know basically. Uh, more like a fantasy role play at the moment. So they're very different from each other. But they are just two different outlets where I create uh, content and express my artistic uh, creativity, um, which in it happens that both did pretty well. Like, I was surprised my YouTube could hit like 4 million views in, and 200 videos to date and have a fan base. That was a surprise kind of thing that happened. Um Along with my books, you know, uh, I wrote three books, and the first book is uh, in the top fifty in the espionage uh, section. So, all these were like accidental things that happened out of my creations that I didn't like foresee coming. Um, but I think essentially, I was just experimenting with myself. <laughs> I think that's 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 I, the only thing I could think of right now. Okay, because wh- why I did it.
2: Because I think the the uh, the YouTube videos are uh, the term it's there it says risque, and the purpose of those is like you said they are fantasy. What is the audience that you're striking for in the in on the YouTube channel? Who are you looking at attracting? Right now, the
3: my audience are mostly um, men who think. They are Minions, <laughs> because I call them Minions, <laughs> and, you know, I call my fans Minions, so they, yeah, I'm a Minion, and they, they also change their names to Minions, and mm-hmm. they comment on my, all my videos as a Minion, so they do, like, role-play fantasy stuff on it, too. They participate in a channel, um, that's probably, like, there's audience particip- participation uh, kind of thing going on on my YouTube, that, um... And my books is more like a voyeuristic journey, I guess into right. someone's private thoughts and life. Um, so it's two different mediums of expression. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think my fans do you know read my books and watch my videos and they are really into my creations, which are pretty unique. Um, and my intention is to just keep creating stuff i'm working on voiceovers nowadays so so that's my next project
2: are are you are you trying to because f- you, you do a lot of different things from the books <laughs> to the youtube channel to, as you mentioned voiceovers to your acting to your dancing are you yeah. are, are you're you're doing well, everything i mean there's not one thing that i can tell that you're not doing and you're not putting yourself in 100 percent is there one thing you enjoy doing more than the other ones?
3: That's a really good question. Um, my dad told me that I'm a. I don't keep my hobbies for long. Okay. That means that I, I change my hobbies very often, and it kind of explains why I have to do many different things to keep things refreshing and challenging. If not, I will I will become disinterested. Like if I only had one YouTube channel without my group, I would not. I probably would not do as well as what i was doing uh, compared to doing both at the same time right yeah because i just need to do things simultaneously to each other so i can alternate uh alternately like write my books and then work on my youtube and then do my dancing so i i kind of like simultaneously uh change up my schedule to do different things to keep it like refreshing um that's that but that's my style of working right it may not suit everyone most people are pretty specialized in one area of what they focus if they want to be a world-class athlete they they just do running and that's it you know but for me i have to do like many things (laughs) so i guess i'm more versatile in that aspect but it's just a character trait i have
2: (laughs) now one thing i want to ask you and, and, and if you don't want to answer me that's fine but i'm i'm looking at your stuff on your website right now and the one thing that runs through my head is I'm trying to figure out how old you are because you look extremely young. And for being able to get your, your business degree and then finish the, the the year of acting and everything else, plus everything else you're doing, how old are you? <laughs>
3: um, I prefer to keep my age like I'm an immortal at this point and like I'm a vampire. I'm just joking. But yeah, you know, I prefer to like... Be immortal forever. Okay. That's why I, I kind of want to do so many things, although, like, yeah, I'm pretty young still. Um, I don't think age is a factor. I think uh, most people have limitless potential in life. Okay. And we don't actualize this potential in us because we, we don't, you know, go out there. Uh, most people don't go out there to achieve stuff. You know, they wait for things to happen. But ah. for me, I take the reverse approach, you know. I, I If I want things to happen, I will make it happen. So I kind of have, I guess, for my age group and considering the amount of time I had spent on Earth compared to the amount of things I have done, right, it's a lot more compared to a lot of people because I, I just am constantly working on different things all the time and I change things up. So I never feel like... I don't feel burnt out tired. Okay. I don't feel burnt out or tired because I, I change things up, I switch things around to to keep things refreshing. So, um, I don't think that age is a factor at this point, especially with the internet and technology. Like there are like like people like teenagers who are millionaires because of internet. Right. Like, <laughs> like they are also like teenage YouTube stars too. So I don't think like at this point of history, um, that age can, will come into play. In fact, um, I think it's, it's best to do as much things as we can before we die. Because okay. one thing for sure, the human lifespan is limited on Earth. Right. And the only thing we can do is do everything we want to do before we hit the end okay (laughs) so i guess i i see life in that perspective that's why i'm doing so much things because i know my time will be up one day unless um i become immortal which i am trying to immortalize myself on virtual space but yeah
2: so (laughs) so with all you're doing um and and doing the the um the actor the dancer the author the business school and everything else what what got you attracted into acting? Was it something natural from the dancing that you were doing and from the writing? Or was it something you always wanted to be, was be an actor on on Broadway, off-Broadway, TV, movies, whatever it is?
3: We got my YouTube channel as an act already. Like, okay. At this point, with 200 videos, it's a... Persona that I mm-hmm. have portrayed consistently over 200 videos, so it's a, it's an act because I am nothing like that in real life. Too, you know, <laughs> uh, my friends know that they are like, yeah, you know, they, they see my <laughs> videos, they know it's not, that's not why I am in real life at all. So it is it is an act.
2: I'm sure um, I'm so sure what, that makes I'm yeah. sure that makes your mother feel better too, because. Um, <laughs> Yeah. The domineering like, type with your a, minions is quite interesting. Um,
3: yeah, you know, it is a fantasy role-play at yes. this point, like Queen Cersei, you know. Yes. Um, she's a villain. So, yeah, it's, it's pretty much it, you know. And I think that acting came pretty natural to me because like I was cast lead in my high school musical. Okay. And also I was Desdemona in Othello. For Shakespeare play
4: uh-huh.
3: when I was in school, so I kept I kept auditioning and getting lead roles when I was in school. So it, it was a natural progression that I would eventually do acting. I, oh, okay. I needed a place to act, like a, an outlet to express. So I did my YouTube channel. But I guess my personality is that I'm a solo player. Like I am a soloist. That means I have to do my own stuff. I right. I function best when I'm on my own. There are some people they have to join a group and then they become better. For me, it's like when I do my own stuff, when I write my own books, I do my own videos, like things become really good, you know, because I, I just operate in a solo manner. And somehow, these two platforms are the best platforms for someone who likes to work independently. And that's how I kind of um, express my my kind of creativity in that step. And I try to be on Off-Broadway, you know, to, to get on other people's productions. As well and um, yeah I also tried to you know improve myself that way by being on other people's stuff but still at the end of the day I found out that even when I try to join someone else's production or I join a dance team in the end my the best dance dancing I do is when I dance on my own you know my solo dancing that like right. I really like it you know like they really remember me when i dance alone they don't remember me when i dance in a group the same is like with my acting my people remember me by my youtube channel they don't necessarily remember who i am if i'm on an off-broadway production right so i realized that through you know it's it's kind of like a trail and error thing going on and i did try both things and somehow my creations are a lot better when i am operating independently
2: okay and <laughs> yeah. that- and that makes a lot of sense. Um, on the phone line, I have uh, Ava uh, Lim. Uh, <laughs> do me a favor, pronounce your name for my audience, because I know I'm butchering it.
3: Yeah, you are. You are getting it
2: right. I am mm-hmm. really. I because I, yeah. I, I I get when I when I deal with people of other uh, uh, cultures, I I get so worried about mispronouncing their name because I speak with a true US accent from western Pennsylvania. And I always worry about offending anybody by saying their name incorrectly. But on the uh again we have Aver Lim on the phone line here on WMCK McKeesport and also on Fayette TV channel seventy seven as we talk about her 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 books, her acting career, her YouTube channel, and pretty much everything else that she has done. She's been open to us so far. If you uh if you enjoy it, please stay tuned and listen to more of the conversation with it. Now, the one thing I wanted to ask you, and I was looking at your uh, bio on your uh, on your uh, website, is you were in the off Broadway production War Lovers, and you created a Chinese yeah. fan dance choreography, which became the highlight of the show. What? Why was there a need for this fan dance in this production, or was it based on a uh, um, a Chinese culture to begin with?
3: Actually, the show was like it's more like a musical, so okay. there was a lot of singing and um, acting. And that I mean, for the dancing, the director told us like, okay, you can just do whatever dance you want to do. So I decided to bring in some fans and choreograph my own Chinese fan dance. Which in the end, when the audience watched the whole show. The they say the best part of the show was the Chinese fan dance, which was funny because like a totally unexpected result of the whole musical was they like the dance that I did, <laughs> um, because there's so many other aspects of the show, you know, and there are other um, actors too, right? <laughs> right. So that was a surprise result that came out of the the show. And it made me more confident in my abilities, you know, like as a performer, you know that even if I got on someone else's production, people do remember me by what I do you know and in this case, I did a Chinese fan dance, and people remember me by that um, because I, I sometimes when I do stuff right now, I just don't reveal to people who I am. I'm like I go to an improv class to do uh, improv acting, and I just I don't tell anyone what i do outside improv i I don't tell them i have a youtube channel or anything you know i just want to like go in as an amateur like a nobody and really test it out if i'm good enough you know if i'm good or you know i'm do i am i bad you know (laughs) because if i gave my history away like if i say like oh actually i'm on youtube and now i'm doing improv of course i'm expected to like be a good performer in class and people might be more biased against me because they know I'm a YouTuber. But if I go in without saying what I did in the past, then it's a more fair, accurate gauge on where I am in the class uh, in terms of my improv. So this these are the kind of interesting things I do to experiment on myself nowadays. Like am I a, a good performer or not? <laughs> True, you know. It, putting it, myself in different
2: settings it sounds yeah. to me like you like working yourself but if necessary you'll become a group performer um because i from listening to what you've just told me plus everything else i think you could probably write your own one woman show for broadway or off broadway and make it very successful because uh you have that confidence even talking to you on the phone that comes through in your uh, presentation
3: Yeah, a lot of people have told me to do it. They say I should do a one-woman show on Off-Broadway or something. Yeah, but um, I did the cost uh, calculation on the production and everything. (laughs) It's definitely uh, not a wise investment to do a one-woman Off-Broadway show. It will not be profitable. That's where the business degree
2: comes in, right?
3: Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) you know, it will be uh, unless someone sponsors me Uh or something, but... Um, even for me on youtube right now that's like i think that's the best Okay. because in which it, the you, on youtube i have an outreach of a few million worldwide right but on the off-Broadway stage on average only about 50 people are going to watch
2: oh good point the show. have you thought yeah. about about other than what you have right now on youtube about doing something like that by performing your own works um, in a situation where you're in control of everything and, and doing it on a weekly or monthly basis basically taking a one woman show and breaking it down into parts and putting it on YouTube yeah
3: which, which I am exactly doing it okay right it's a one woman show being bro- broken down to a weekly series every week there is a new episode on YouTube based on my one woman show okay well <laughs> right so it is, it is uh, uh, artwork in in kind of unfolding itself because it's kind of still experimental. I do weird stuff sometimes, like I'll just spare the camera for one minute, and people like that video a lot. You know? Okay,
4: so it's, it's,
3: it's weird things like that. So that sometimes people do like better than me trying too hard to be a good performer. Some people just don't like that, you know? they just want me to be you know, do unusual things that clicks that sticks out because there are so many talented performers out there. Right. That they just want to watch someone be a bit weird. <laughs> that's essentially it. Yeah, it's
2: kind of sad <laughs> that's that weird true. sells. That's, that's one of those things that's kind of sad that now that weird sells as much as it does. But for those of you that uh, that like that, that's kind of cool. And I suppose, and I guess, the people that are creating it's also cool too. But uh, it's it's kind of interesting. So, do you see you? Do you see yourself going into TV and movies, or even stage performance, or do you see yourself staying with YouTube?
3: Um, I have agents who are interested in me. Yeah, so. I think the next step will be TV and film. Um, but um, I, ha- I do have to work on a true American accent, which I'm working on right now, Okay. to get to the point of being cast on a big network uh, show, which I am working actively towards at the moment.
4: Uh-huh.
3: Um, that's not a far-fetched goal. That's quite reasonable if I keep working on whatever I'm existingly doing. Um. Yeah, it's, it's very possible to get on a movie or a TV show, but I also do realize at this point of my life that even if I got on a big show and I'm I became like uh, a uh, you know a celebrity and I became famous, I, even more famous and everything, it's not going to significantly make me happier at this point of okay. my life. Um. Yeah, I have kind of reached uh State of my life where I'm pretty happy where I am right now and having more self um, may or may not make me happier but it's, it's most likely going to be the same because I think at this point of my life I have achieved most of the things that I have set up to do like write three books, have a YouTube channel, get my business degree uh-huh. You know, so I kind of got everything that I wanted to do in my life at this point and anything more it's like a bonus, <laughs> uh, but it's not like needed. I, I used to want to prove to myself like I could get all these things, right? I used to have this internal game within myself, like I need to prove to everyone I can be all these things so that I can get some external validation from people or something, you know, or recognition, but I have hit a point where, okay, you know, I don't need to prove anything to anyone anymore. I'm pretty, pretty contented where I am. There's nothing to prove. That I, like, even if I became a better performer, a better author, tomorrow is not going to change anything about my life at this point. So, yeah, I have reached a state, I call this like the zen state <laughs> of happiness. Yeah, so I kind of hit this point. Um, which I'm, them- I'm glad that I went through the whole journey to hit this
2: point in my life where I feel perfectly contented at what, what that, I have. That's cool. Now, with the books, especially Red Hourglass, uh, the the uh, the book that you wrote, have you thought about turning that into a Netflix series or a Hulu series, or selling it to somebody to make a series out of it? Because I think that that type of um, that type of thriller and suspense may actually be a very interesting program that you could ever watch on on an episodic or on a movie-type platform.
3: Yeah, I'm actually working towards that, actually, to make my books into movies one day. That's why I had to move to New York for that dream to come true. But it's a very long shot in the dark. Um, George Martin, he took 40 years before Game of Thrones, Became the hit HBO series. So, and for most authors, um, they may never see their books become a TV series or become a movie. It may never be adapted. But um, yeah, you know, it is a very long shot in the dark um, because you know, to for movie adaptation of a book, it's like it requires so much luck. Um, that is out of my control at the moment. And I recognize that too, because um, as much as I think my books are really suitable to be the next hit Netflix series, um, especially writing from a strong alpha female point of view, which right. is like the in thing right now. Um, yeah, it's it's a very long shot. Yeah, but that, but actually being in New York brings me closer to that dream. That's why I'm actively working on my acting and my voiceovers right now is because so I can make the, I can start to make the beta version of it, like the the preliminary version of it okay. to pitch the preliminary version to the networks, you know, if I can pull off like the pilot of it.
2: Mm-hmm. So, so that's
3: what I'm trying to work on.
2: You've mentioned a couple of times about voiceover work. Are you doing voiceover work now or are you just uh, practicing and rehearsing to, to get that voiceover break?
3: Right now I'm practicing and rehearsing and getting okay. my American accent because I moved here last year. So my accent is still behind, kind of all over the place because I studied in Australia, <laughs> in Singapore. So right now it's like, it's kind of inconsistent. But with time... Staying in New York, it will become more American with time. Um, So that's what I have to actively work on right now to get a standard American accent, do the voiceovers. Um, Yeah, because like um, doing a pilot series or a trailer Uh requires voiceover.
2: Right. Now, the one (laughs) thing I'm I'm, I'm surprised you're saying is you want to get an American accent. And the reason I'm surprised about that is... Is, would there not be any work out there with um, with a with an accent like yours? Um or would it just it's be a lot harder a lot harder, okay. Because a lot I, I just, because uh, I find that interesting, I really do.
3: The standard American is the is only accepted accent on national T V. You know? Really? So it's, just, it's about, about accessibility. That means people have around the world have to be able to understand when I speak right now, I'm maybe like eight, 70, 80 percent un- being understood by majority of okay. the Americans because of I have some British accent and Australian and, you know, chi- Mandarin influences. So to make it like a standardized American accent will mean that I will be understood by 100 percent of the population. Everybody. So that's what an actor actively works on compared to even like someone in the U.S like from Boston, who has a Boston accent, might have to work on getting a standard American accent in order to be understood um, around America.
4: Yeah,
3: it's it's pretty much getting rid of our regional accents to get the standard accent.
2: Which is is actually, in my opinion, kind of sad because you're losing that identity. But you're right, I do hear a little bit of British and I do hear a little bit of Australian when you speak. Um, it, 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 for someone from Singapore, and I don't know if that's common or not. I know you study in Australia, but it's kind of interesting to hear it from you. And, um, for the most part, I'm not having any problem with you whatsoever. That's why I think it'd be kind of cool to have somebody in a lead character role or even a supporting character role, um, with your accent, telling the story that you're telling, because I even think your life itself would be an interesting made for, tv or netflix series that they could do um you because you have done so much in such a short period of time and follow your youtube channel and follow your acting career and doing something like that because i and thinking about it even more it can make make a great reality series just to follow you around (laughs)
3: yeah yeah um there, there has there have been people who have asked me to do that and yeah suggested that to me and yeah, it it could be. Who knows? Maybe I should do start doing that on my YouTube. Like, do a reality like YouTube thing going on. Like, just follow me around New York for a day. And... <laughs>
2: that would be that,
3: honestly that'd <laughs> that be really be
2: interesting. Kind of because I think yeah. there'd be a lot of people out there that would watch it that would actually identify with you, um, and 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 would be able to follow along and figure out the the uh, what you're going through and the difficulties that you're having. Um, finding roles and finding work and stuff like that, and there'd be a lot of people able to identify. So I think it'd be interesting. Yeah, it could
3: be. I think there's a there's something I could look into, like my own reality TV show on, on YouTube. On YouTube.
2: <laughs> yeah, just, I, I'm not trying to create more work for you, but I, I think it'd be interesting. So of the stuff that you do, what do you get more gratification from, the writing, the YouTube channel, or your acting?
3: Oh, that's a pretty good question. Um, I no longer get gratification from anything I do. That's the real answer to this. Okay. Question. Because I used to get a lot of gratification from writing a novel. And then you hit a point that, yeah, okay, I wrote three books. What's next? Right. And then I got a lot of gratification from my YouTube because I got so much fan mail. And, yeah, I got so much fan mail. And then what's next? And then right now I'm training for a Spartan Race. I got on an Amazon Prime reality TV show. Oh, did you? Um, by auditioning for it. I auditioned for it. It's called Radical Body Transformation. Okay. And it's on season three. And I got on the show as one of the contestants. And my end goal is out of like, eight months of working out is to just run a Spartan race, right? Okay. <laughs> yeah, right now I'm on the show, which is crazy because now I'm like running every day, which is like something I never imagined I would be doing. Like I was like dancing every day before uh-huh. I was on the show. And then now I have to run a Spartan race. It's like, oh no, <laughs> it looks like I can't be dancing every day. Now I got to run every day. I got to, you know, start working out, doing weights. Right, real intensive um, exercise, which is different from dancing or acting, you know. So, for the past month, I've been doing that. I've been at the gym like five times a week, you know. And it's it's kind of interesting because I guess that for me, there is no such thing as gratification at this point. It's just about enjoying the process. Okay. and maybe my gratification is like, yeah, I I could buy some nice stuff on Amazon to like treat myself once in a while. Like, yeah, I got new earplugs. <laughs> like, okay. Like, I got new some new technology toy. I I got new Fitbit. <laughs> I got my new boss stickers. You know, like, these are just temporary shopping gratifications at this point to enhance my life. But there's no... I no longer get any additional gratification from the creative process.
2: Okay. So the program on Amazon, when is that going to be dropped so people can watch it?
3: It's it's in one and a half years time because they have to firm us over eight months and then they have to edit the show so it's about one uh, one and a half years time. It's on season three. Now they are on season two on Amazon Prime. So I'll be I'll be on season three if I complete eight months, provided I don't drop out. So, yeah, I, I am currently in the process of being on the show. It's my first month on okay. the show, and I'm still surviving. <laughs> the program, so. so we're looking <laughs> I have, at... I, I, I am still on track.
2: <laughs> sometime late 2020, then, is what you're saying.
3: Yeah. Early yeah. 21. Provided I complete eight months. Okay. I have to complete eight months, and I have to run the Spartan race. Okay. <laughs> so there's some conditions
2: tied to it. <laughs> I mean, for some people, that probably would seem very overwhelming to do. But I guess uh, if you break it down the way you are, you're pretty much in control. So, how is doing this this program affecting everything else you're doing since you're running so much?
3: Yeah, I just I, I actually just ran this morning, um, <laughs> and I went to the gym too. So that's pretty. I think it's better for me actually because I used to sleep like nine hours a day, <laughs> and now I'm like sleeping seven and a half hours. I I okay. wake up before the eight hour mark, so actually like going to the gym and running improves my sleep quality, okay. which in turn I have more time to go do exercise. So it it works out. Well, <laughs> this that's is good. A very interesting thing that I found out after one month of exercising is that. I no longer to sleep as much. I no longer sleep as much as I used to, and I'm tracking the hours I sleep. Okay. So it's like it's, it. it say, they say that when people start running, their sleep efficiency actually improves. So that is a very unusual uh, side thing that came about, which I didn't predict will come about out of exercising.
2: <laughs> yeah. So for the program, what was the audition process?
3: Um. When. <laughs> When they, they had they had the audition, they asked us to write, like, what makes us unique. And um, <laughs> it's quite embarrassing. But what happened was I met a guy who, who runs Spartan races. And he asked me to run the Spartan race with him. And I'm like, sure. You know, for the first time in my life, I was going out with a guy who was being constantly, like, when we were walking on the streets, guys would check him out instead of me.
2: Oh interesting.
3: Yeah, and if he went to a club, the guys in the club will all look at him and not look at me. Okay. I'm like, this is so unusual. I'm I'm dating a guy who is hotter than I am. <laughs> <laughs> like more physically attractive than I am. Right. So it was like this is this is there's something going on here, you know. And I and it, yeah, I realized that Because he does the Spartan race, and he is physically really fit. Uh And that's why he gets checked out by men all the time. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Not women, but by men. Right. (laughs) So it kind of motivated me in a sense that, yeah, I think I should run this race too. It sounds pretty interesting. Um, Unfortunately, uh, we were only dating for a very short period of time, and he's no longer dating me at the moment. So I'm like, sure, but I got on the show. (laughs) And and now I have to proceed eight months on the show uh-huh. without him. <laughs> so that's a c- kind of very funny thing that happened to me, which was like I thought, you know, we were going to date long term, but no, apparently I got, you know, I got dropped. Right. <laughs> but I, I'm still on the show. So I, I, I told my friend, it, it, it's as if this guy, got me pregnant
4: oh okay <laughs> I for <laughs> the
3: next no I'm just like it's a joke that I made with my friend but yeah it's, uh-huh. I, this is how I feel like when every time I'm in the gym I'm like oh my god why am I at the gym oh yeah I met this hot guy and I got interested in a Spartan race and I got on a show so that's why I'm doing this <laughs> so that this is what is going through my mind as I'm training every day now <laughs> also yeah that was what exactly happened but I'm but it's a good thing for me because instead of getting pregnant, I'm actually getting more fit and I'll be hot right
2: right <laughs> eight months, so there's so yeah, there's I'll your motivation more, right yeah. there
3: yeah, yeah, I'll be more physically attractive in eight months, I guess you know if I keep doing this
2: so before, <laughs> I
3: think as a, yeah
2: before you're on the are they following you month by month? are there camera crews with you right now, or do you have to get ready for the show in eight months?
4: Um,
3: no, they, they firm us at intervals like every few months. Okay. So they're firming me in December. Okay. So, yeah, like maybe every four, two, two to four months they'll firm us. Uh, okay. To update with the progress. So that's, but of course there will be some people who will drop out and I hopefully will not drop out. Right. <laughs> I should do all eight months and run the race. Okay. So that's my, my target right now. So, yeah, it's a VRC TV show, and I guess
2: there are about 30 contestants right now. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> oh Very interesting. Well, Ava, I really appreciate you being on the program. And when the program on Amazon is released, I'd love to have sure. you back on again so you can tell us how physically fit you've become and what else you're doing and talk about the program and how, how – it has changed your life because right now, just after a month, it seems to me like it's refocusing your priorities, which is kind of cool. So um, I'd love to have you back on the program, say in about eight or nine months.
3: That's great. I'll, um, I'll be sure to be back on to update with my new Spartan body.
2: That sounds great. <laughs>
3: Hopefully, like, if I'm, I'm if I'm with another
2: physically attractive guy the you know guys <laughs> right sounds good well aver i appreciate you being yeah. on the program tonight to talk about your books the hourglass series your youtube channel and your acting career and um good luck on the reality program on amazon i really appreciate you taking time and we'll talk to you again real soon all right
3: thank you so much
2: thank you very much Bye bye Aver Lim here online with yours truly, Bill Alexander. As we talked about her her books, her YouTube channel, her um, her acting career, and her um, new reality program that she was just casted for on Amazon Prime. Um, she is a uh, Singaporean author who is, uh, just came to the United States within the last year. Her uh, website is Avril. That's dot com that's And you can also check on my website, italknet.com, to find out more information. Uh, very enjoyable conversation. Um, very, very pleasant young lady. Very confident young lady. And I'm glad she was able to join us tonight here online with yours truly, Bill Alexander. Well, that's going to wrap up another show. But before we go, uh, we got news uh, this past week. We're going to have uh, some... Football celebrities on the program, which I'm really looking forward to. Former NFL player, um, I just lost his name here. Uh, <laughs> don't mind me. Sean Harper, formerly of the Indianapolis Colts, is going to be on the program. And we're going to be talking to him. And also, if we can get the date scheduled and everything working out. Pittsburgh Steeler legend Rocky Blyer will be on the program, too. Really looking forward to that one. Looking forward to Sean Harper, who's going to be on next week. Rocky, we're going to hopefully have on before the end of the month, and uh, we'll share those dates and times with you so you can join us, and we can uh, talk here online with yours truly, Bill Alexander. So, again, thank you, everybody, for joining me tonight here online with Bill Alexander here on WMCK.FM. And also on Fayette TV Channel 77 and streaming live at italknet.com. As we broadcast live from the Phil Gianetti Motors studios from High atop High Street in Brownsville, Pennsylvania, if you're looking for a quality pre owned vehicle, give Chip Gianetti a call at 724 785 6800. That again is 724 785 6800. Or stop by his website, PhilGianettiMotors.com. Again, Phil Motors. Dot com. Guys, I am out of here. You all have a great night, and we shall talk to you next time here online with yours truly, Bill Alexander.